It's our mission to give IT pros a break. So, here it is. We wish it was longer, but to keep saving IT pros time and money, we only paid for a 30-second ad. From racks and PDUs to backup power, Eaton and Triplight have joined forces to bring more sanity to your day every day. Visit eaton.com slash audio today. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Another, I guess, Sunday perspective show, really kind of a a Sunday recap show, if you will. Uh, I got back from uh, AWS reInvent in Las Vegas. Uh, I got back on late Thursday night, uh, was out there all week, Um, did skip the last day. But uh, yeah, I thought I would do kind of a quick recap on kind of thoughts from the show. And, you know, this is sort of unusual one. We're going to do a, a kind of an, an all announcements recap on the on the Wednesday show. So I know that's a something people look forward to every year. Uh, we will pull together all the announcements, uh, do some perspective on that as well. But uh, thought I would do kind of a you know what was the what was the vibe at the show? What was you know what are we here talking to different people and um, you know kind of what was the you know what were the, the big themes or the big kind of takeaways from things like keynotes and other stuff like that. So just a couple of real basic things, um, you know, announced to have 50 to 60,000 uh, attendees at the show. Uh, I think last year was around 25,000. Again, last year was still, you know, kind of in the throes of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, good to see the show bouncing back. Um, you know, even if it was if it was 50,000 or 60,000, um, you know, still somewhat smaller than uh, some of the peak years when, when I think, we you know, we heard it got to 80 or 90,000 or something along those lines. But uh, again, you know, I think we've seen that, you know, it's it's both a show that was literally um, right after the weekend of Thanksgiving here in the United States. So that's a tough travel time for people, especially if they'd been traveling with, uh, with, with family and so forth. But also, you know, travel in general is, is somewhat down. Attendance and events is somewhat down. And so, um, you know, people were trying to, you know, people always use the, the, the attendance as a, as a gauge. Um, we can we can deep dive into that more maybe at a, at a later time maybe at the end of the year wrap up show uh, twenty three hundred breakout sessions um, so just to put that in perspective um, something like KubeCon which we talk about as a big event uh, on the calendar has about two hundred plus or say two hundred thirty two hundred fifty or so breakout sessions so uh, ten times as big in terms of the number of sessions roughly uh, you know seven or eight times as big in terms of the number of attendees so just to kind of put that in perspective um, now there are other you know there are still other big events of the year. Uh, Salesforce is a huge event. Oracle Open World is a huge event. The Microsoft events are very huge. But this is probably the biggest kind of purely cloud event um, that's out there. Um, you know, it was it was interesting. I'm going to kind of dive into, you know, kind of my takes on, um, you know, the keynotes and some of those things. And I'll kind of get to those after the break. But uh, yeah, it was a good, I think it was a good show. It was good to see, um, you know, again, after the pandemic, um, people enthusiastic. I think the overall vibe was uh, was very upbeat. Was very positive. Um, you know, there was there was some trepidation just given the kind of global economy and and you know what people are doing, what companies are doing in terms of buying and spending and projects and so forth. But uh, we'll kind of kind of dig back into that after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Cloud Zero. For software driven companies focused on growing margins, Cloud Zero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results by analyzing. Cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, 
Cloud Zero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, Cloud Zero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Today's episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by Datadog. Bring speed and scale to your security organization. Datadog Cloud Security Platform delivers real-time threat detection and continuous configuration audits across applications, hosts, containers, and cloud infrastructure. Built on top of the observability platform, Datadog brings unprecedented integration between security and DevOps aligned to shared organizational goals. As a listener to the Cloudcast, you can sign up for a free two-week trial to see for yourself how Datadog can elevate your cloud infrastructure security posture by visiting datadog.com security cloudcast. Sign up now and receive a free Datadog t-shirt. That's datadog.com security cloudcast. And we're back. And uh, yeah, it was... It was a good show, uh, you know, kind of coming back and, and talking about, you know, how reInvent 2022 was. And let's go, let's kind of go through some some real basic things. You know, we talked about number of attendees, talked about number of sessions. That gives you a sense of of how large the show was. Um, you know, we're in a we're in a different time with AWS, right? They're they're you know at eighty plus billion dollar run rate. Um, so you know, they're a very very big company now in terms of well, they're a very very big group of a, a much larger company. Um, but they are now at a stage where where AWS is the core profit center of Amazon, of Amazon.com. Um, they're not the largest uh, revenue generator, but the largest profit generator. And so, you know, it's a very different vibe that you get from Adam Solipsky in terms of what he presents um, versus what Andy Jassy used to. You know, Andy Jassy for you know ten years or so, uh, you know, it was it was from. You know, being a purely disruptor, being the underdog, being the complete change agent of what's going on there to now, um, you know, not only is AWS in a very different position in the marketplace, they are now um, kind of the clear leader in terms of, you know, the cloud. Uh, But also, again, you know, their role in terms of Amazon is much different than it was 10 years ago, five years ago. Um, You know, and I think that gets reflected uh, in, you know, in how things are announced um, in keynotes, but also just kind of throughout the show. It's, it's very, it's very much a, a buttoned up organization. It is a, it's a well-run organization, um, but also, you know, it's one in which they realize the importance of their role, uh, you know, their bigger role in, you know, how Amazon, uh, the company kind of goes to market. Let's hit on a few kind of core things just in terms of, you know, what was, what was the vibe of the show? And, and, you know, I'll tell you the, the biggest thing having attended, uh, a good number of the reinvents. I, I think there's been ten or eleven reinvents. I've probably attended seven or eight of them, uh, going all the way back to the very first one. The larger that Amazon or AWS gets, the harder it is to attend this show. And I don't mean that in a logistic sense, right? There, you know, there is still lo- the logistics of this event is spread out over ten, twelve, fifteen buildings, which is fine. You know, Las Vegas is not the simplest city to get around, but it's it's also, you know, not too bad. You're either, you know, walking or riding a bus or something. That's fine. But as AWS grows, it's just harder and harder to get a a central focus on the entire show, right? It's, you know, there are 
There are multiple keynotes that are broken out, whether it's you know kind of core technologies, the, the vision of the company, um, new things that are coming out, uh, innovation, all those sort of things. Um, but you know, I, I think as you think about it in terms of quote unquote the cloud, I, it, it feels much more of back in the early days, it was defining what the cloud meant and what was possible in the cloud and and sort of that sort of thing. And, and now it really feels like much more of what Amazon does, which is sort of the everything store. Um, you know, so if any of you have ever read the book, The Everything Store uh, about Amazon, you know, it really kind of gets into, you know, they sell everything from, uh, you know, socks to bicycles to, you know, all sorts, I mean, sort of everything under the sun, you know, Amazon, you know, AWS now sells sort of everything under the sun. So I, you know, for example, I had, I had dinner with people who, you know, cared about security and people who cared about contact centers and people who cared about application developer stuff and, um, you know, people that were doing kind of far out crazy stuff that had to do with outer space and and other things. And that's, that's all cool and fun. Um, but it does make it difficult if you are, you know, trying to cover the show, trying to analyze the show, or even just attend the show to, to kind of get a focus, you know, to kind of, you know, look at the whole thing and go like, where are the focus areas? Because the reality is, you know, it now literally has dozens of focus areas. And that's not, that's not a problem. Um, you know, Amazon does a very, AWS does a very good job of, you know, having depth in all those areas. So if you're just going for, you know, contact centers, um, you know, there are lots of people who are very in-depth in that space. Now, that probably doesn't matter at all to you if you care about, you know, DevOps or something along those lines. But, you know, it, that that's sort of the nature of larger and larger companies, right? And I think the the feel I got very much this year was, you know, AWS is a very, very large company on the order of Oracle, IBM, Cisco, Microsoft, um, any of those size companies, not you know, not necessarily comparing them in terms of innovation or even their maturity levels, but just in terms of, you know, companies that get that big over time evolve. They, they, they're in a lot of different areas. It's not like, um, you know, Oracle is just a database company or Cisco is, you know, just a network routing and switching company. They do literally dozens of things and that's partially how they get so big. So, um, you know, it's, it was definitely a feel that, you know, we're in, we're in very big company territory now. So there was that. I think the the next thing that, that's very obvious when you go to the show is, and again, whether or not this is a good thing or not, people tend to, you know, judge the shows based on headlines and keynotes and things along those lines. And I think, you know, the, the hardest thing, there's a couple pieces to this. So the hardest thing to do is to follow you know, not just a good leader, but just an amazing leader. And, you know, I think we've talked about this in the show, Andy Jassy, you know, in, in the pantheon of people in, in the IT industry, um, you know, is, is up there probably in top 10, top 15, some might say top five sort of leaders, uh, you know, just in terms of, of bringing something new to market, growing it, being tremendously successful with it. And so it's always really hard to follow any sort of leader, whether that's a, you know, a football coach or, a, you know, leader of a business or a leader of a government. Um, and so Adam Solipsky has a very difficult job to do. And I think what happens is people immediately compare the two of them. And I think what happens sometimes is people forget that, you know, A, obviously people are different personalities. And so, you know, it's not like AWS has a bench of people that are just Andy Jassy. They have a, you know, a bench of people, you know, executive people who they're their own personalities. Werner is different and, uh, you know, everybody is is a little bit different. Um, so Adam is, is much different than Andy. Now, you know, and again, the, the other thing is, is 
the context of what's going on, right? Like I said, they're no longer talking about, you know, why the cloud is better. They're no longer talking about why you need to go to the cloud, right? They're very much focused on like, now what can I offer to you? What new business value can we create? And so, you know, I think for a lot of people that have kind of grown up and and watched AWS be this innovation engine and really kind of redefine the paradigm, it is very different to watch how Adam presents things than versus how Andy did. You know, I think the second thing that jumps out at me was, um, you know, and, and this is not meant to be a slight or derogatory, you know, Andy, even from the earliest days when, you know, 10 years ago, you know, he walked in there and he had an, an air of, I'm the smartest guy in the room. And even back when they were a sub billion dollar business, you know, his thing was, I'm the smartest guy in the room and you may just not understand yet, but what we do is, is where you need to be. And I think, um, and he, and he wasn't the technical, most technical guy in the room. I think there was a misperception that like this guy was, you know, was super deep technically because he would talk about things in the keynote. And I'm sure to a certain extent he, you know, he understood what the products were because he was there from them kind of being built, but it wasn't like, you know, he was an engineer. He wasn't replacing Werner. He just, you know, he was incredibly well prepared. Uh, I, I recall, you know, several times I happened to stay in the same hotel he did. Uh, we would be up at six in the morning at the gym, uh, me and other people I know, I remember doing this one time with Stu Miniman um, when we were at the Cube. And Andy it just happened to be uh, reading his keynote notes while he was on the treadmill, you know. So, you know, he was very, very well prepared and able to talk about those things. But, you know, he had this, again, this air of I'm the smartest guy in the room and I'm I'm going to, through sort of sheer will, and then obviously through through execution, going to convince you that there is no better place for your applications than in the cloud and the way the cloud operates and the way that the cloud innovates and the way that the cloud is built and all those sort of things. And so he would spend a lot of time for a long time having to tell you why AWS was growing and why AWS was better and why you know, in certain cases, the competition was inferior or, you know, what he called it, old guard. And all of that's sort of gone away, right? And, and and I don't know if that's because, you know, there's a conscious thing of saying, like, we're no longer going to position ourselves as sort of the underdog, right? So, you know, they always used to like to show off the Gartner Magic Quadrant for cloud and they were up to the you know top right, uh, better than Microsoft and Google and everybody else. That's gone. Um, they no longer show... Uh, the sort of NASCAR logo slide with hundreds and hundreds of customer logos on there. That's gone. Um, They no longer talk about things like how many price cuts they've done. They no longer talk about how many new features they're, you know, services they've built in a year. Like that's all gone. Um, You know, so, you know, and, and to a certain extent, like they don't even really talk about the scale of it that gets pushed off to, you know, a, a Monday night keynote or some other type of thing. So, a lot of those things that that used to be front and center, and maybe they were just you know Andy's way of sort of you know bragging to a certain extent or highlighting where they were and they needed to do that. Those are gone. Those days are sort of gone, at least while Adam's presenting. And Adam's style is is very different. Um, you know, Adam. I don't know that public speaking or speaking in front of that many people is necessarily his uh, his forte. It's something that you know I think Andy loved that. I think he you know he kind of thrived in that. Adam has a little more of a, um, you know, I, I'm kind of a technical nerdy type of person and he spends a lot of more time trying to kind of create stories, right? He has a little bit of a marketing background. I think he has actually a lot of marketing background. So he, he much more tries to create stories and that's fine. Um, you know, some of them 
come off better than others. And, uh, you know, I think the execution of some of those can be better than others, but that's fine. Um, but he's, you know, he's trying to, to be much more, um, you know, focused or less around, you know, the 600 instances of, of compute that are out there and much more on solutions, right? I think he's always said, um, ever since he started, like, I want to focus us more on solutions. And again, a lot of this goes to kind of the, you know, if you if you ever seen the picture of, of crossing the kind of the crossing the chasm picture where you go from, you know, the the early adopters and cross the chasm into the mainstream, we're well into the mainstream. Well, what the mainstream audience wants, what the you know lower risk tolerant people want, is things that are solutions, things that that do seem to sort of solve a bunch of problems all at once for them. And so, while there are you know, hundreds of, I think, I think there was like 150 things announced or something like that, which is normal for reInvent. They're just not front and center anymore because those are kind of pieces and parts and some new capability for, you know, Lambda or some new capability for EKS or some new capability for, you know, a serverless database. But those things are no longer going to be kind of front and center and getting and making you go, oh, wow. Um, It's much more about you know what? What kind of solutions can we offer to the mainstream? Which what more vertical offerings? What more vertical solutions? What more um, integrated solutions can we offer? And so, you know, I think it's going to be a little while before you know people kind of get a feel for kind of the jarring difference between how Adam Solipsky presents the company and how Andy presented the company. And I think you know we had it in our mind for so long that. Amazon was this innovation engine, and that was the thing that we always kind of expected to be front and center. We expected them to, you know, announce things that unfortunately probably put some of the ecosystem out of business. Oh, you know, here was this other company, and Amazon just announced a thing, and it basically, you know, there's no chance they can compete with them anymore because of Amazon's scale or their ability to price things. Like, those weren't front and center anymore. Like, they almost felt like, you know, almost nobody got displaced from a technology perspective. And, you know, again, that's, you know, that's an evolution, right? Early in the days when Amazon had, you know, AWS had very little and they went to now having hundreds of services, that was part of that process. Where were they going to, where were they going to innovate? Where were they going to, you know, displace things that were, you know, slow and old and old guard? Um, You know, that's that's not kind of the focus of stuff. Um, And so I think that's the biggest takeaway that you, you have from Amazon. It's just, it's not that, their service capabilities are less. I know people, you know, sometimes have some complaints that it's really hard to figure out, you know, where to focus and, you know, how, I can't even find things in the console anymore. There's so many services and, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. And, but, you know, I think this is, this is part of a, a long-term, you know, evolution that, you know, it's probably going to take three, four five years for Adam to kind of have in place, which is, you know, how do we focus more on solution oriented things? Because, um, you know, the market has kind of moved to that point. Now, it does it does kind of contrast a little bit to the the statement that they always make, which is, oh, it's still in the first inning or it's still early days or it's still day one or whatever kind of framing they use to kind of convince the market that, hey, the size of the cloud is so enormous that it's such early, early days. Um, and, I, and part of that is is sort of gamesmanship, right? They're they're trying to convince Wall Street that you know the most profitable part of Amazon has you know infinite growth in front of it, um, and that's fair, right? There's still literally trillions of dollars of spend that happens in data centers that Amazon and others would love to see pull forward. Um, but you know, so so I think that's the that's the the kind of tightrope that they have to walk a little bit in terms of 
we want to, on one hand, from a financial engineering perspective, a market perspective, convince the world that we're still in the first inning, that there's still literally single digit uh, application workloads in the cloud. But at the same time, they're also having to sort of walk this tread, you know, tightrope of, but there are only so many more primitives, as Brandon Wichard always likes to say, um, that we can add. We really have to be in the solutioning business. And typically, once you get into the solutioning business, you've kind of acknowledged that, you know, a lot of things are much more mature. Now, again, I, I think both those things can be true at the same time. I think there is a a desire for the cloud to be more mature. Um, I think there are hundreds of SaaS offerings that are kind of competing against stuff that says, hey, why are you, you know, dealing with the low-level plumbing? Um, so I think that's going to be an interesting thing for him to kind of uh, you know, walk a tightrope from. Now, let me talk about a few other just kind of perspectives that, that I saw from the show. And again, I, I would say this, um, if you're listening to anybody give a you know, synopsis summary of it, it's it's going to be really hard to to feel like you had a great viewpoint of of everything at AWS because quite honestly what i was able to see is probably going to be really really different than what hundreds of other people were able to see just depending on their perspective on where they went into the show what was important to them what was not important to them which buildings they were in which dinners they got to go to who they got to talk to um but i'll give you some high level things um you know definitely less competition than in the past with their technology partners uh, but I did hear quite a few times during conversations and dinners and um, and things with uh, different companies that AWS is is stepping up their uh, their kind of direct competition with channel partners and with especially consulting partners. And so that's kind of a normal thing that we see happen in every industry as as large companies. You know, they they look for new revenue sources and and to a certain extent, like customers look to have less vendors to have to deal with, especially in more complex things. Um, but that was the first time I've really heard that uh, shift, right? So uh, AWS hiring a lot of consulting people in, in different regions of the world, kind of pushing that that their consulting maybe should be the first choice for customers versus versus third party ones. A couple of other things, you know, just kind of jumped out at me. Lots and lots of cloud cost management companies. Um, you know, I, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody. We've we've covered cloud cost management both through our sponsors of this show as well as. Um, you know, shows that we've had on, I think we, I think we had four or five different cloud cost management, um, conversations this year, if not more than that. Um, but just a lot of them. Um, and so, you know, I think that tells us that, you know, Hey, cloud spend is up, um, which, you know, as a, a high level metric is, is probably good, um, healthy for the ecosystem, but at the same time, both because of the economy where we are and, and even just sometimes people trying to mature stuff, um, you know, getting a better handle on on your cloud spend, whether it's from a budget perspective or something else, um, is probably going to be a much more discussed topic. Now, whether or not the companies that are offering these cloud cost management things um, can drive significant cost changes, or maybe it's just, you know, awareness of costs that companies look for. Um, that one jumped out at me just from walking around the show floor and being like, what's, you know, what, what are some of the themes that you see maybe more often than not? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think I, I, hopefully that covers, it gives you some sense of the show. Um, and I don't mean this, I didn't mean this thing to be entirely about sort of, uh, you know, an analysis of, of just um, Adam's keynote, right? So Werner had a number of interesting things and and um, Peter had a number of interesting things. and But it's just, it is a, it's a different stage of AWS. Um, you know, they are, they're a bigger company. They're they they are 
they're not the old guard that they, you know, kind of came up against and fought against for all those years, but they look more like the scope of those old guard companies uh, because they've gotten so big so fast and so broad so fast um, that, you know, what it, what it sort of also introduces is like, what, you know, what sort of new innovations are we going to start seeing happening of companies that are chipping away at AWS? And, you know, I know there are tons of people who say like, oh, you know, right now they're, you know, invulnerable and they're really big. And, you know, the nature of our industry is that, you know, companies, you know, very few companies last the way they have been for very long periods of time. They go through significant changes. And I don't think AWS will be any different than that, right? I think, um, you know, they're sort of unique in that they are tied to such a very large mothership. Um, we've rarely seen that uh, in, you know, in, in technology where, um, you know, even at some tens or hundreds of billions of dollars, you were part of something even bigger. Um, we've talked about that a lot of times on the show. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, sort of, it feels like an inflection point for AWS, both in terms of new leadership, in terms of focus areas, in terms of balancing multiple focus areas. Um, you know, but I think the overall view of the show, the overall guidance of the show was was very positive. I think the only sort of negative that came out of it was really just concern about the economy and how that impacts, you know, whether it's people who sell, people who are building projects, will they continue to have their funding? You know, obviously there's, you know, some concern in our industry with, with certain layoffs here and there. Um, but yeah, overall positive, uh, but just different, you know, definitely different than, um, you know, two years ago, three years ago. And, and obviously the world is much different than two or three years ago. But I think AWS in particular, again, where they focus on what the what the tone of their leadership is, the tone of their message, um, it's shifted, it's changed um, because it has to. And, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to go back to the days when, you know, they, they are only talking about price cuts or, you know, the number of, uh, you know, how big S3 is. I think those days are probably gone. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch the the new evolution of it. I think, um, you know, if you if you sort of watch it like we do and you try and always put it into kind of a longer view historical context, it's uh, it is a new era for AWS. And, um, you know, so, again, it'll be interesting to watch where it goes. So anyways, uh, another Sunday perspective in the books. Thank you all for listening. It was nice to see so many faces that I hadn't seen in geez, years. I mean, three, four years uh, in person. Uh, great to catch up with a lot of people. I think that that's the other sentiment that a lot of people had was, you know, this was one of the first times this, you know, the KubeCon in Detroit, um, that a lot of people who have been around the cloud for for a while uh, got together. And so it's it's great to see people. So that was the other big takeaway, um, you know, to see people that you haven't seen in a while, kind of see how they're doing, um, catch up both personally and professionally. And so anyways, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the show. We have a number of sort of interesting things here in this last month. Um, we do some wrap up stuff as we always do. We do some, some look ahead, some predictions, and then, uh, you know, we'll get into the holiday season with all that. So anyways, uh, thanks again. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 